0: Because you got two imperfect people living side by side, day in and day out, and inevitably needs are not going to be met, feelings are going to get hurt, because if you have active resentments in your heart, it's hard to go on dates with your partner, it's hard to have sex with your partner, it's hard to feel close with your partner. So often our partner's hurtful behavior is more about mindlessness than malice.
1: Dear young married couple, do you want to know how to talk about that thing that always blows up? every single time you try to talk about it.
2: Maybe you've built a lot of resentment up about this thing because every time you try to talk about it, it either gets avoided or it blows up. We're here to talk to you today about how to have that conversation.
1: Yes, and we're gonna get a tool that you can use with your spouse to have a very productive and I would say, Um, A conversation that you both feel understood yes and um, it's gonna be really beneficial for you
2: so we have with us a special guest dr. Wyatt Fisher and he is a licensed psychologist from Colorado he has both a master's and doctorate in clinical psychology and he speaks and has a practice and focuses on couples and so he's going to bring his tool today to walk us through how to have this conversation in a way that both of you feel heard and understood.
1: And before we get into the interview, we just want to make you aware that this coming Friday is our monthly live date night and we're going to be going deep and talking about how your childhood affects your current relationships.
2: It'll be at 5 p.m. Pacific time. It's live for 90 minutes. And if you can't make it, you can always watch the replay. So we'll put that link in the show notes. And we really hope you'll join us. Sometimes date night is light and airy and we're talking about sex or, you know, fun things around the holidays. But we decided we're going to get really deep with you this time and talk about how your childhood impacts your relationship. So come join us. Welcome, Dr. Wyatt Fisher, to the podcast. We're so glad that you're with us today.
0: Welcome. Yeah. Thanks for having me.
2: Yeah. So you deal with a lot of couples in your practice and in your retreats, your conferences. um, And so one of the things that you deal with quite a bit is resentment.
0: Absolutely. I always tell couples, you know, resentment is part and parcel to long-term relationships because you got two imperfect people living side by side day in and day out. And inevitably needs are not going to be met. Feelings are going to get hurt, but we're not trained on what do you do with that. And so we either stuff it or we become passive aggressive or we escalate and none of that's healthy. And so a lot of times they're left unresolved and then everything else tends to fall apart when there's active resentments in a relationship.
2: Mm, Yep.
1: So just to get clear, what is resentment? So people know that, oh, this is resentment. I didn't realize that.
0: Yeah, that's a good question. I define resentment as any ongoing negative feelings you have in your heart toward your partner and it can be from a pattern of behavior they do or it can be from an isolated event that happened Mm -hmm. but as if you check your heart you're looking for do i do i hold any negative ongoing feelings in my heart toward them for a pattern or an incident
2: Hmm. Hmm. so how what's a tangible way that someone can know they have resentment like if they're listening and they're like i don't know is that resentment or not
0: hmm you, you usually can tell by thinking about how much or how thick or how large your wall is in your heart toward your partner. Okay. Because a lot of times if we have resentment, we'll build walls to retreat and to protect ourselves. And so it's really a matter of how open and vulnerable and close do you feel with your partner? If you have active resentments, you probably have some barriers to that closeness. And that can tell you, mm-hmm. I might have some resentments I need to work on.
2: Yeah.
1: Very good. And Mm -hmm. I love how you said it's either a pattern or an event. So a lot of clients that I've worked with can definitely point their finger back to events, but patterns can just be just as resentful. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, what would that look like in a marriage? Like, I guess it could be the socks on the floor that you've asked (laughs) 40 times to not
0: do that, right? Like, put it in
1: a hamper. It's right there.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, patterns, I think, are actually even more deadly sometimes compared to Mm. events because the patterns are things we live with day in and day out, consistent action from our partner or inaction that hurts our feelings or offends us or our needs aren't being met. So one common one might be, let's say your need is emotional intimacy and you've brought it up a lot to your partner and they just refuse to try to nurture that for you. And you try to have those types of conversations and they just don't go there. They won't go there. Mm-hmm. And that builds a resentment. You know, that's yeah. a pattern that my partner won't tend to my emotional needs. Mm-hmm. So that might be an example for somebody. Right.
2: So the lack of emotional intimacy is one. What are some other common reasons that people would build resentment toward their partner?
0: Yeah. Another common one can be sexual, a lack of sexual intimacy hmm. So I, you know, same thing. I bring up my desire for sexual contact. It falls on deaf ears. My partner tells me mm-hmm. to get over it. Um, you know, no matter what I say, they won't, they're not open to physical connection. So now I have some resentment because now that makes me feel unloved, you know, so mm-hmm. that can happen. Um, another one might be uneven workload. And so yeah. if you feel like overall you're hustling more to move life together compared to your partner to move life forward, rather, um, mm-hmm. then that can build resentment Uh, us parenting can be a big one like why do i have to be the bad cop all the time and you're the good cop you know that kind of thing in-laws why do you take your parents side instead of my side that always happens Mm. yeah Um, money you know why are you always spending i thought we were saving you know you said you were gonna start reducing your spending but you're not i can't trust you this is a pattern Mm. So yep. all all sorts of stuff obviously can come into marriage um, and they're they're often patterns.
1: Yeah. Wow. Yep. So now that everybody's listening and has identified their resentment in their heart,
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yep. how how do we go about working on this ongoing negative feeling that I have?
0: Yeah. I think the first step is recognizing how important it is to address resentments because if resentments are not addressed, everything else starts to break down because if you have active resentments in your heart, it's hard to go on dates with your partner. It's hard to have sex with your partner. It's hard to feel close with your partner. Mm -hmm. And so for me, when I see couples in my practice, the very first thing I do with all couples is I have them make a list of their top resentments.
2: Mm, Nice. We,
0: We start there and then I teach them a tool called the reunite tool. And then I help them work through one resentment at a time while using the tool So we're killing two birds with one stone, they're learning a tool while working through the resentments at the same time.
2: Nice, okay, so this reunite tool, I'm sure everyone listening is like, I want that tool. Can you share that (laughs) tool with us? Walk us through it.
0: Okay, yeah, and you can find the tool online if you just type in reunite tool and search reunite tool, it should come up at the top. So the reunite tool is a method to help couples stay emotionally safe to talk through these resentments because a lot of times what happens is you get gridlocked.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, There's so
0: much tension around this topic. We can't even talk about it without fighting. And yeah. so now we don't talk about it. And now the resentment just gets entrenched right. and, then, and then bitterness starts to take hold. Mm-hmm. So the reunite tool. Uh, so there's complainer steps and then listener steps.
2: Okay. The so- complainer. I love that. We say speaker-listener, but complainer makes it, paints a very vivid picture for us of what's going on here.
0: Yeah. And that doesn't mean you're a complainer. It just means you're going to go first talking about the resentment you have. Okay. That's what that means. And so the first thing you do, let's say you pick a topic and let's say it's money.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And uh, the first thing you do is you have to, it's just a little pre-step. You have to tell your partner what it's about. Uh, just in like two or three words without saying you, without going into the full complaint, just so they, they can put it in context as you okay. go through the rest okay. of the steps. So that's a pre-step. So let's say if it is money, you would say something like, this is about money and me feeling voiceless with our money.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So that'd be the nice. pre-step. So you're not so no, no
2: use can't use the word you in, not the, pre-step. in the
0: pre-step. No, because okay. you don't want to start off as an attack or a criticism. Mm-hmm. You're just doing a little pre-step, a little teaser, so they the other person knows, like, oh, okay, I know what this is about. Gotcha.
2: Okay. Okay.
0: Yep. Then step one, the official step one for the complainer steps is you're going to start with the good. You're going to start with how has your partner actually improved in making you feel like you have more of a voice with money over the last six to 12 months.
1: Hmm. So you're going to
0: search high and low, search for any <laughs> little piece of progress. So wait, hold on.
1: I'm going to be the typical client of yours. Yes. I can't think of one thing he has done in the last 12 months to make any improvement in this area.
0: Yeah, that happens. And that's why you're complaining about it, right? That's why it's a resentment. Right. Um, However, if you really search, you know, most people can find some number of progress. Um, It's not where they want it to be. That's why Mm -hmm. it's still a resentment.
1: It's just that wall is so big and so thick, like you said, that they can't see that good that they're actually maybe trying
0: to do. Mm -hmm. Right, right. And a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. And so if you can start with highlighting any progress your partner has made, it's in your best interest because it's going to help them be more open to your complaint. Mm Yeah. And, and if you don't highlight their progress, it's going to be one of the first things out of their mouth with defensiveness. Is how That's they yes.
2: good. Yeah. And even if they have maybe kind of regressed since then, maybe rewinding back to a time when they did well and highlighting that as sure. a piece of progress, right? Like, remember the time when you did blah, blah, blah. That felt so reassuring to me.
0: That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Any type okay. of good that you can highlight in the very area you want to complain about. Nice. So, so it can't be a random good thing. It can't yeah. be like a random progress. It has to be specific yep. to the resentment you're trying to address. That's good. Mm. Yeah. I like
2: it. So yeah. that's step one for the complainer.
0: Correct. So there's four steps for the complainer.
2: Okay. okay. okay
0: that's step one. Uh, step two is benefit of the doubt. Okay. So often our partner's hurtful behavior is more about mindlessness than malice. Mm-hmm. Not always. Maybe sometimes they are being malicious, but most of the time, It's mindlessness. They're not waking up with the intent of, I can't wait to hurt you today, right? That's usually not what's going on. Um, So this one has two parts, number two, and this is all about benefit of the doubt. So the first part is you're going to look to your partner's past. So what did they go through growing up and before they met you that may have influenced them to have this kind of behavior that hurts you? Mm. And so this is like a hypothesis, you know, this is more of an art than a science. And so you just, you're just kind of trying to make a guess here. Like, you know, it makes sense that you went through X, Y, and Z growing up and how that may have influenced you to have this kind of behavior.
2: Yeah. It's empathy, right? You're just putting yourself in their shoes and going, "Ah, you're not crazy. You make sense.
0: Yeah. There's a reason you're like this and this might be the reason it makes sense. You know, if this is, you know, the reason why, or maybe this contributed, but then you're going to also ask your partner to make sure. You're like, is that correct? Um, nice. Any- anything else you think that you may have gone through that may have influenced this tendency mm. so that your partner can speak into it? Nice. Yeah. I like that.
2: That's good. Yeah.
0: So for okay. example, they, they may, on the money topic, they may say, well, you know, growing up, um, my dad always controlled all the money and it was never a shared topic between my parents. And so that may have rubbed off on me. Mm-hmm. Mm. So yep. that could be an example.
2: That's right. good. Mm. Yeah. So will the complainer go through all four steps before the listener does their steps? Okay. Yes,
0: that's right. Okay. So when you're going through the complainer steps, the listener only speaks when spoken to.
2: Okay. That's a good rule. Yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And and that's an example of when they're spoken to um, where you would say, is that correct? Or is there anything else from your past?
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So when they're asked a question specifically. okay,
0: Correct. Yeah. That's a better way to put it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So the next part, number two is their circumstances. So then you're going to think about, you know, when they're going through certain circumstances and this has nothing to do with me yet as their partner, but when they go through different circumstances, does that behavior that hurts me, does it get worse? Mm. And so for example, let's say when they're really stressed at work, their behavior of, you know, financially gets worse. Or when we're going through a recession, their behavior financially gets worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever it is, you want to try to acknowledge. And again, this is just your best guess. It's a hypothesis, but you want to acknowledge it. Like, hey, it makes sense, you know, with the current economy that yeah. you, you would want to have a tighter grip on the finances. You know, that or, the
2: holidays, or the holidays, you know, holidays. and the, the needs and the gifting. and right. So it's sense. really
1: acknowledging the fear kind of underlaying the behavior
0: yeah yeah different circumstances that may be fueling their behavior mm. and then likewise you ask them like what do you think is that correct or do you think there's any other circumstances it's good so then they can speak into it right there okay. yeah that's number two number three is your part so this also has two pieces so the first piece to number three is what do you do that may influence your partner to respond in the way that hurts your feelings <laughs> Okay. Yep. So, so if we're going with the example and yeah, I feel voiceless with money. Maybe it's because this is a hypo- the hypothetical, but one example could be, I want to acknowledge that, you know, when I, when you do bring up purchases you want to make, I have a tendency to always say no.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so yeah. I could see how that would make you not want to consult. Mm-hmm. And so you just, you're, you're trying to acknowledge what do you do that probably influences your partner to behave in the way that hurts you.
2: Yeah, how do you make the problem worse?
0: Correct, and then you're gonna ask your partner again. So it's another checking in, like, is that correct? Is there anything else that I do that, that influences that behavior? That's good.
2: Yep, that's really good yeah. so do you find before we get to the last step for the complainer that this the listener is able to sit through all of this speaking and just kind of answer those couple of questions and be okay to not speak yet?
0: Usually, they do okay because you keep checking in with them. Okay. Yeah. And so that's where they have a release. And so you check in about their past. They have a release there to speak into it. You check in on their circumstances so they can speak to it. Okay. You check, you check in on how you've contributed. They can speak to it. Okay. So They're having multiple opportunities to speak into what you're saying.
2: So they're not just answering yes or no, but if it, if it isn't quite right or that's not, that's not all, they could elaborate and be like, Absolutely. well, it's more like this.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. That's right. Yeah.
2: Okay. Good.
0: Then the next part of number three is your past. Mm. And so this is where you think about, okay, so in our marriage, I'm feeling voiceless around finances, if that's what the topic is. So then you're going to think about, does that feeling of being voiceless remind me of anything in my past where I felt voiceless before? Mm. And this can go two directions. Either it stirs up a wound, like, Mm -hmm. oh, I was voiceless a lot growing up and I hated it. And so it's stirring that wound up or it's a value violated. I was never voiceless mm-hmm. growing up and my voice always mattered. And so it feels like it violates that value.
2: That's good. That's really good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, when like you can, that. and sometimes there's no connections. Um, mm-hmm. And so there's no like requirement that it's connected to our past, mm-hmm. but a lot of times it is.
2: Probably more often than we realize. And that's
0: right. That's yeah. right. And so if you can make that connection what that communicates to your partners, this is not all you. Hmm. I acknowledge I'm bringing a sensitivity to this topic because of X, Y, and Z in my past.
2: Right. Mm. Yeah. It's really good.
0: It's really, you know,
1: it's really helpful too, is oftentimes when people do have a complaint, they just throw it out there and there's no cost to complaining, Mm. right? But with this tool, boy, there's a cost to it. Mm. Like that person that is going to complain actually has to go through some work because that is not an easy road yeah no. That's so right it'd be very difficult to be a nag here
0: Yeah, <laughs> like you i got another complaint okay i got some time it. go ahead yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah you have to be
2: super thoughtful about yeah. it going through these steps you're not just like helter-skelter throwing complaints out there yeah yeah
0: and sometimes you have to educate people on on how it's in their best interest Mm -hmm. because if you are the one wanting to say a complaint, what do you want? You want your partner to respond well. You want them to be open. You want them to be teachable. And that's not going to happen if you just lead off with the complaint. That's right.
2: Right? (laughs) Right? Yeah. So if you slow it
0: down and follow these steps, it's harder. It's going to take some delayed gratification and some impulse control. But by doing so, you're going to get the response is going to be much more what you want.
2: That's right.
0: You're going to, I think both both partners walk
1: away with so much more understanding of the yeah, situation yeah. and there's empathy gained. there's I could see how so many of the walls would at least if they didn't disappear, they would definitely drop a little bit. That's right. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's right. That's very good. Yeah well
2: take us to step four yeah. for the complainer.
0: Yeah. So, so, so far we've done, we've pointed out how they've gotten better, how it's not all their fault because of their past and their circumstances, how we've contributed and how it might be tapping into something from our past. And those three are so critical because if you just start with number four, which is the complaint, if you just start with the complaint, most likely your partner is going to point out how they've gotten better, how Mm -hmm. it's not all their fault and how it's actually your fault.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So you take all those things off the table when you cover them first. That's right. Then you can get to your complaint.
0: Exactly. It's a preemptive move. And yeah. so it's very savvy because now your partner has nothing to get defensive with.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm. They don't have to. You've done it for them. You've acknowledged all these parts and pieces that's hopefully lowering their defense wall so that then they, they're they more open to hearing number four, which is the complaint.
2: Right. And it's not manipulation because no. this is you. It's cooperation. It's you getting on the same team and cooperating together. Right.
0: Yeah. Help right. me help you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. So number four is the complaint. So the structure of the complaint is: overall, there's a pattern of X. If it's a pattern we're talking about, it makes me feel Y, and it taps into my core need for Z.
2: Hmm.
0: And you can't say nice. you always or never. Okay. Got it. No superlatives. Like yes. Yeah. That's so good. it makes it it makes it very succinct. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes when people go into complaints, it can be very long-winded or convoluted and kind of fuzzy and it's easy to get lost in the translation of what's really being said Mm -hmm. so that format tends to help people get really focused in like okay overall there's a pattern of x makes me feel y and taps into my core need for z Mm
2: -hmm. Mm. that's really good i like that it's a good template
1: yeah what what does this produce in the couple generally when you walk through all of this with them?
0: It, it creates lots of shifts. Um, I think just hearing all the different variables, you know, going through all those complainer steps that in and of itself is so illuminating for a lot of people. Mm. And they'll say things like, Whoa, I never realized that taps into this part, or mm-hmm. that there's this element going on here. And even the complaint itself, even though it's a simple template at the end, Even that can be revolutionary for people because like, oh, I didn't realize it makes you feel like that or it taps into that core need for you. Yep. And when you have all those data points, it just shifts your mindset of when you're the listener Mm. compared to all you're hearing is this pointed criticism. Yeah. Right.
2: You can receive their influence a lot more readily with this template.
0: And you see it much broader, right? You see all the broad strokes going on. Yeah. It's not just this one simple thing happening.
2: It's perspective.
0: Yeah. yeah. So how
2: do you transition from the complainer to, okay, now it's the listener's turn to go through their steps?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, usually, you know, they I have them looking at that article, uh, the Reunite tool on the table. There's a table in that article. So I make sure they're both looking at that table as a guide as we're going through this. And then I'll just say something like, all right, whoever the complainer is, you're off the hot seat, you've done your part. Now we're going to shift over to partner B. Um, Now we're picking up the listener steps. All right. Yeah.
2: So what is this table? What does that mean?
0: Uh, The table in the article is just a table outlining the four complaining steps and the five listener steps. So it's really cool for people to look at it. Okay. Yeah.
2: Cool. Cool. Okay. So definitely go download that folks. We'll link that in the show notes so you can have a visual as you're walking through this with your spouse. Let's, let's shift over to those steps for the listener.
1: And we'll get right back to the interview, but what we wanna do is make you aware that we have a resource around this whole subject of talking with your kids about sexuality. And it's called Having the Talks
2: and in having the talks, we address things like homosexuality, transgenderism, but even just the basics of sexuality, like anatomy and identity. Um, We start the whole deck off with identity, and it's a resource for parents and children to play together, you can play it like a game, and it helps children as young as age three all the way up to teenhood There's um, really two decks in one because we have questions for younger children and on the other side of the card, it's a question, same question, but for older children.
1: Yes, and this deck is designed to really bring these subjects up um, organically so that you can um, really have this discussion with them and and open a safe place for you to be an askable parent. So you could go to havingthetalks.com and get your deck And it will actually reroute you to Amazon and you can get it tomorrow.
2: Next day shipping. Yeah, if
1: you ordered it today.
2: All right, link in the show notes. Back to the interview.
0: Sure. Yeah, so the first step of the listener is you're just going to summarize the complaint. Okay. And so you're not going to, you're not agreeing with the complaint. You're not empathizing. You're not apologizing right here. All you're doing is summarizing for a couple of reasons. One is your partner may not have said what they're really trying to say. Hmm. So if you summarize it, it gives them a chance to hear themselves back to clarify if that's not really what they are meaning. Nice. It also demonstrates you heard them mm-hmm. and it demonstrates and makes sure that we are hearing them because obviously when you hear your partner, we have all sorts of our own interpretations and tapes right. on. And often we get off track with what they, yep. we think they're saying. Yeah. So it's just a simple summary where you say, um, You know, so what I hear you saying is you think there's a pattern of X makes you feel Y and taps into your coordinate for Z. Is that right? Excellent. Good. That's the summary.
1: And just to clarify, we're only reflecting back that last step. Correct. That you, not the whole thing that they just know. Yeah.
0: Just the last step.
2: Nice. Yeah. Nice.
0: Okay, good. So that's the the first step. That's the first step. And within that step, there's a Part two with the number one, and that this next one it's not num- part of number one. It's a silent step, and I mm-hmm. call this the fifty percent rule. And this is the most important part of the whole thing.
2: Mm. Okay?
0: And so, what the fifty percent rule says is: this complaint I just heard from my partner, I am not expected to take full ownership of that complaint because of everything they've already acknowledged, because wow. of my past, because of my circumstances, because of stuff they're doing, because mm-hmm. of their past, because of all those variables it's clear that this is not all my fault.
2: Good. Mm. Yep.
0: And however, I probably also can't say none of this is my fault. Mm -hmm. Mm. So the 50% rule just says, as a listener, you are in control to discern what piece of this am I guilty of? What part of the complaint? And do I know in my heart of hearts? Yeah, that's, I can improve on that. Okay, So it's a silent
2: step because they're not going to jump in and be like, I'm not going to own that part because you blah, 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 blah. (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) And that's definitely not me. And that's definitely not me. (laughs) That's right. So sometimes it might be, you know, I think 10% of this I am guilty of. Sometimes mm-hmm. it might be 50%. Sometimes it might be 90%. But mm-hmm. you don't say those percentages out loud. You just do that okay. in your head. <laughs> Got it. That's yeah. good.
1: I could see how that would be another fight. Yeah, 5% maybe. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, all right. Yeah. So that's
2: step one like for that, the listener. Though. Yeah. I
1: like that because that's generally what's missed when couples are communicating back and forth like hey i have this problem and it's nobody's ever catching the ball nobody's ever taking responsibility mm-hmm. for yeah. any of it yeah. so it's like it's all you it's all you, and, you know, that's like, right just going back and forth yeah that's right. so this kind of forces that like introspection of hey okay yep. this little bit definitely i can i can own that
2: and that's the antidote for defensiveness right that's Is right. just owning right. a sliver so yeah. whatever that sliver is
0: correct And the defensiveness comes out of feeling the pressure of, I'm expected to own all this complaint. Yeah. Right. And I disagree. So I'm going to own none of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So the 50% rule eliminates that.
2: Yeah. There's a lot of freedom there to just acknowledge a piece, a part.
0: That's right. Yeah. And it's up to you to decide what that part is.
2: Yeah, that's yeah. Good. good.
0: That is very good. So
2: that was step two. Yeah. So summarize no, well, step one.
0: Yeah. So step one is the fifty per, is the summary and the fifty percent rule. Okay. And then that conviction of like what your part is. Sometimes it it comes to us right away, and you can kind of feel it. It's like a a prick on your conscience. Like ah, okay, I I, got the, I know what it is. Sure. Other times you might have to mull it over to mm-hmm. and kind of take your time to sift through it and to really figure out what is my part. Yeah. Um, so that's gonna look different, you know, each time you do it. But once you come to that, once you feel that conviction of what your piece is, no matter how big or small, you go to number two. And number two is an ownership statement.
2: Okay.
0: So all you say with number two is I own that I have a tendency to do X. Nice. And that's all you say. You don't nice. if, if you add in why you do it, that's defensiveness. So you don't <laughs> add that. So it's just mm-hmm. an ownership statement. I own that I have a tendency to do. X
1: how often do you have to jump in on that like ah, nope stop that's it <laughs>
0: <laughs> Not as often as you would think but I would say about 30% of the time okay yeah right. yep yep nice. So that's ownership okay And then as we go through these listener steps I encourage the listener to just for, allow for a moment of silence in between each listener step because it's very powerful what these listener steps are. And your partner has probably never heard you talk like this. Mm-hmm. And so just like in piano music, where they have a rest note for, for effect, mm-hmm. when you observe a moment of silence in between the listener steps, it just makes it feel more authentic, more genuine, and it sinks in a little deeper.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's, good. That's good. Now, is the, the complainer responding to any of this? No. Okay.
0: No. Yeah, they're just taking it in (laughs) Mm because right this is awesome (laughs) yeah this is what they want yeah yeah right good number three is empathy and so owning the part that you know you can improve in is very important because the rest of the steps don't work unless you've really latched on the part to the part that you know you can improve in
2: time
0: Mm. Um, otherwise the rest of this is all lip service and it's inauthentic yeah so you really have to spend some time on that ownership part to make sure it's something the person is really understanding and they feel that, that conviction and they really own that part, no matter how big or small that's really, right. that's yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then you go to number three, number three is empathy. So just a basic empathy phrase. So it's, I can see how my tendency to do X would make you feel Y.
2: Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: Okay. And that's it. And a moment of silence. And then we go to number four, which is the apology. I want you to know I'm really sorry that my tendency to do X makes you feel Y.
2: That's good.
0: Moment. Of Can silence. you clarify
2: for the yeah. the apology part? Is are you apologizing for their feeling? Or are you apologizing for your tendency?
0: You're apologizing for the piece that you're owning, how that impacts your partner.
2: Okay. So it's kind of kind of both, but starting with the domino effect of my tendency does this to you. And it
0: affects yeah. you in this way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And again, that's why it only works if it comes back to the piece you're really owning. Yeah. yeah. Right? So you're not owning all of it. You're not saying this is all my fault. But what you are saying is I own or I'm really sorry that my tendency to do X, which is the part I'm owning,
2: mm-hmm. makes you feel Y and does it also work um when it's not a pattern but it's an event like i own that when i did blank it made you feel yes okay
0: that's right so every time i'm saying pattern you know you can just swap it out with the event if that's Uh what we're talking about okay Um, yeah this is good And is that where it
1: ends uh, that step four
0: there's one more okay Okay. yeah step five is making amends and so the best way to say sorry is change behavior Mm -hmm. And however, it's about progress, not perfection, right? It's going to take time. So what you do as the listener with number five is, okay, so this piece I'm owning, what are some changes that I can make moving forward that are also going to work for me? Hmm. Because I can't just bend over backwards with what my partner wants here, because it's not going to be sustainable. Yeah. So I have to think of a win-win, like what are some adjustments? What are some, you know, some changes, what are some things I can do different moving forward all Um, centered around the part I'm owning only Um, what are some things I can do different around that Um, that's also going to work for me so it's sustainable there's no right there's no right or wrong here it's just like a brainstorming but it starts Mm. with the listener brainstorming. they could do different based on the piece they're owning
2: okay
0: they throw out those ideas maybe they have two or three ideas and then they're also going to ask their partner what do you think of those ideas Mm. and what else would you prefer
2: okay so then they engage in this brainstorm process together
0: correct Correct. Yep. And then whatever ideas are kind of like the best ideas that come out of that brainstorming, um, the listener, I always encourage a listener to just pull out their phone and under the notes section, create a list of your main takeaways. Like what are your main takeaways that you're committing to that you are really like open to that you think, okay, I can do that. Mm -hmm. Um, Write those, write those down. And then you want to review that list at least twice a week. So you don't forget. Yeah. Because um, right now it's fresh on your mind, but in a few weeks, it's going to get a little fuzzy and we're all prone to going back to our old patterns. Mm, totally. So to ensure that behavioral change, you want to write it down, look at it on a regular basis until it becomes your new normal.
2: Nice. And yeah. then do they revisit it and check in later and say like, is this working or should we go back to the drawing board on the brainstorm and try another solution?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So it's definitely a ongoing, you know, kind of like let's check back in on that. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there's other tools that helps them kind of recheck in on those major areas. Okay. And every time a couple does a reunite tool, they add to that list of takeaways. Mm -hmm. And then ideally that list becomes something they look at on a regular basis again, so that they're internalizing those changes and not forgetting about them. Nice. Yeah.
1: What about for those couples that you probably talk to that say something along the lines of, uh, this just seems too scripted. This is not very organic. I just can't <laughs> do something like this. I, I, it won't work for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That
0: sort of thing. Yeah, couple thoughts. One is I say to them, you know, if you're able to talk through these hard topics without either of you getting defensive, without either of you getting critical, then you don't need the reunite tool. Mm.
2: And that's not most couples. (laughs) That's not most couples, right?
0: (laughs) Not most topics. However, if you feel like, man, we can't even talk about that without one of us getting defensive or Mm -hmm. criticized, then this is in your best interest. And it's like any other skill. And so Mm -hmm. think about learning karate or golf. In the beginning, it feels very unnatural, very awkward, very forced. Mm -hmm. But after a while, it just becomes part of your natural flow yes and so the same thing with the reunite tool in the beginning it's going to feel uncomfortable awkward but with time it becomes just a natural way you talk through arguments
2: that's good
0: and you're you're not necessarily saying anymore
1: i'm on step four (laughs) (laughs) right correct it just happens you know that you need empathy there or you know you need to own it there yeah Yeah. that's right yeah that's that's good
2: so yeah it's like yeah, they might feel like it's scripted or elementary, I've heard that term yeah. too, or simple, too easy. But like is what you're doing working right now? That's right. And oftentimes that's, that's right. why they're coming to you or listening and downloading the tools because what they're doing isn't really working. Correct. So let's try this new clunky scripted thing.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I think the person who struggles the most just with tools in general for marriage. Is the person who has the temperament where they like to be more organic and free-flowing and they don't want to feel confined. And so, but of course, yes, what you said is a great thing to say to them. Like, well, how does that approach work for you? Yeah. Is Is it getting you the results that you desire with your partner when you have a hurt that you want to talk about? Right. And if it doesn't, you might have to consider this other approach, even though it's a little uncomfortable, but it's going to yield so much better results, which is ultimately what you're after
2: that's it.
1: Yeah. And I also like to encourage people with the idea that like, this is an agreed upon system. So both of you can like look at the steps and agree upon like, Hey, these are the boundaries to this conversation. It doesn't involve yelling or name calling or anything, any of these other things that may sometimes creep in. This can create a barrier with, with that is safety mm-hmm. Yeah. so that you right. know that one person can be heard the other person is going to feel pretty understood Yeah, that's right
0: yeah because a lot of people will avoid conflict because they're like i don't want to get attacked like you're going to blow up and i'm not going to do that I, now i'm avoiding it
1: mm-hmm. and now there's
0: no resolution but this kind of right. approach the reunite tool does create safety where they know like okay well as long as you're you promise to follow this i'm willing to talk about that topic nice yes This is such a good conflict resolution
1: tool. So if anybody's listening and they are needing to work in this area of their marriage, sit down, write the steps out, or go get online and look up the Reunite tool Mm -hmm. and use
2: this. Love it. We're going to link that in the show notes. Are there any other resources that you would recommend to our listeners who need to work through some resentment?
0: Yeah, well, I think, you know, working with a, a marriage counselor or a relationship coach is always helpful. Um, getting tools such as the reunite tool can be really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, I think just buying into this idea that marriage does require effort.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, a
0: lot of people have this Hollywood mentality that, you know, it should be summer nonstop and things should be <laughs> amazing nonstop. And unfortunately, that's just not real life. Yep. Right. And to remind yourself how much time and money and energy have you put into your career to become successful, right. get trained at what you do versus how much have you invested in getting trained to be successful in your marriage? Yeah, And it pales in comparison. And so if you put in the That's work, if you put in the effort, there can be great fruit on the other side.
2: Mm. Hear it, folks. Yes. <laughs>
1: Where can people find you?
0: Yeah. The best place is probably my podcast, the Dr. Wyatt Show podcast. Um, I usually post once a week, and you know their episodes are pretty short, about fifteen minutes. Uh, so yeah, so all everyone listening to this podcast, you know, that's an, since you already love podcasts, that's probably the best way is the Doctor Wyatt Show podcast. Nice. Um, I'm also on uh, Facebook and Instagram and TikTok. My handle is marriage underscore Doctor Wyatt.
2: Awesome. Awesome. All right, we'll put all that in the show notes so folks can go follow up and connect with you. We're going to close out this episode the way that we close out all of our episodes. And that's by asking you this question, rewind back to your first couple years of marriage. And what advice do you wish you would have received fill in the blank, dear young married couple,
0: dear young married couple do not let patterns that are problematic. Just coast in your relationship. Uh, most couples wait four to seven years after problems begin before they reach out for help. Yeah. By the time that happens, problems are very entrenched and one person's already has one foot out the door. So the moment you start noticing issues and problems and you're at an impasse, start reaching out for help, mm-hmm. whether it's a podcast or it's a conference or it's a book or it's a counselor, but there's so many resources in this day and age at our fingertips so access them and don't let problems just coast because they won't go away they'll get worse
2: Mm. beautiful
1: well said thank you so much dr wyatt for your time and your wisdom
2: you You were fantastic yeah thanks for
0: having me all right friends
1: we really hope that you got a ton out of today's conversation and if you want help if you want personal guidance
2: And we'd love for you to join us in conversation there. All right. See you next week.